Hi, everybody. This is your cousin, Brucey. And you are about to go on an excursion following your dream with our host, Robert Miller, a great podcast. And I'm looking forward to listening to I Love to Follow My Dream. Everyone has a dream. Robert Miller is a musician who had a dream to become a rock star. He followed his dream and he succeeded. If you're ready to pursue and succeed at your dream, then listen up and get inspired and motivated to take action today. Welcome to the Follow Your Dream podcast. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Follow Your Dream podcast. I am your host, Robert Miller. This podcast is for all you dreamers out there. Everyone has a dream. Mine was music. It took me a long time, but finally, I followed my dream to success. I want to help you to pursue and succeed at your dream. I'm going to feature others on this podcast who successfully follow their dream, like my guest in today's episode. I've told you that each episode of the podcast is going to start with a different song of mine that's played underneath the introduction. In the intro to this episode, you heard a little snippet of my song called Metro Shuffle, which features none other than my guest today. You'll hear the entire song, and I'll tell you a little bit more about it at the end of this episode. My guest is Mindy Abair, two-time Grammy-nominated all-star saxophonist, singer, and composer. She was the featured saxophonist on American Idol. She has sat in with Paul Schaefer on The Late Show and with The Roots on The Tonight Show. She has 12 number one hits on radio and two number one spots on Billboard. In 2018, she won eight independent blues awards, including Artist of the Year. In 2019, she won the LA Critics Award for Best Holiday Album. And in 2019, 2020, and 2021, she was nominated by the Blues Music Awards as a Best Instrumentalist. Mindy, this is exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> she is shortly releasing The Best of Mindy Bear, a 19-song collection of her greatest hits, including her brand-new song, April. On top of all of this, she's a successful businesswoman, having launched a wine company in 2019, and also a successful author, having written the book, How to Play Madison Square Garden, which I will admit that I bought and I read. Aww. Mindy has toured and or recorded with a who's who in the music business, including Aerosmith, Joe Bonamassa, Smokey Robinson, Greg Allman, Adam Sandler, Duran Duran, Dave Koz, and the Backstreet Boys, just to name a few. In 2017 and then again in 2018, Mindy graciously allowed my band, Project Grand Slam, to open for her at B.B. King's in New York City, the dear departed B.B. King's. And as I alluded to, Mindy was my guest saxophonist on Metro Shuffle, the song that was played underneath the intro and which you will hear in its entirety at the end of this episode. Mindy, it is an absolute pleasure to welcome you to the Follow Your Dream podcast. Thank you so much for having me on this, Robert. What a, what a beautiful idea. I mean, I, I think during this whole past year, 
going through this pandemic, you know, we've needed good news and we've needed hopeful content and, you know, just to set something up that's, you know, here, follow your dreams and, and hopefully be inspired and, and, uh, you know, it's good stuff. I like it. Uplifting. I, I agree with you. So tell me this, was it your dream at an early age to be a musician? Was that always your dream? You know, I, I kind of just took what was around me and, and assimilated. I grew up in a really musical family. My father was a sax player and B3 and well, he pretty much played whatever you put in front of him. But from the time I was born, they dragged me off in the band truck and we were on tour. So I was just watching my dad play in this super high energy, blue eyed soul band every night. And my grandmother was an opera singer, you know, total stereotypical, big woman, big personality, beautiful voice. And so, I, you know, I just had music around all the time from the time I was born, just, you know, all through life. So, you know, music was something I just did. It wasn't kind of my dream. It just seemed like my normal. I guess if your dad's a firefighter, you want to be a firefighter it, or you, you know, you end up being a firefighter possibly, but uh, everyone was just doing music. I'd come home from school and there'd be a drummer set up in the living room with all these cables going into the bedroom and there'd be someone singing into my closet. So, you know, it was just something that was this joy around me. And I, you know, I really, I wanted to play. I wanted to sing. I wanted to, to write. And it was nothing that anyone pushed me into. It's, it's not like my father said to me, Hey, be in the music business or Hey, be a musician. It just seemed fun. And it still seems fun. <laughs> so he was a professional musician. This is what he did for a living or was this kind of a, a sideline for him? This is what he did for a living. When I was born, he was, he was in a band called the fabulous entertainers. And, uh, of course that band broke up because every band breaks up, <laughs> um, you know, except for the Rolling Stones and Aerosmith. Right. Um, but you know, he went on to work for musical companies. So he went on to put together rock bands when I was, you know, probably five years old to, you know, up in my teens. So it was fun to just kind of hang out and, and be rocker girl and watch all his bands before they went on tour. So it was, yeah, it was fun to have someone that was a professional musician around. And it wasn't a fame situation. My father was never famous. His records never made it to number one. His bands never made it to number one. But it was just that working class musician that you and I know is the bulk of, you know, musicians in this country. And it's, it's great. So did you go to the saxophone because of your father? Or why did you choose saxophone? I completely copied my father. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am a total product of the school band system. And I always fight for school band and, you know, the arts coming back to our school programs because they're just so, so formative for all of us. Forget just the music. It's a language and it's, you know, you're learning to be disciplined and, you know, integrity and teamwork, all these things. But I mean, when school band started, I was in fourth grade and, you know, my teacher just laid out all these instruments on the ground and opened the cases. And she said, hey, choose whatever you want to play and bring it to your chair and we'll learn how to play them. 
And I walked around and I looked at everything and you know what? I had watched my dad play sax on stage and he was that guy shimmying and shaking and knocking his knees together and walking the bar. And I just thought, well, if I play sax, I'm going to have as much fun as dad's having. So I chose the saxophone and I was so lucky because everyone around me, teachers, parents, students, no one told me it was odd for a girl to play a saxophone until it was way too late. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's funny because my background was a a little bit similar to yours. My father played the trumpet, but he he was uh, he did it on the weekends, you know, weddings, bar mitzvahs, things like that. And um, he told me as, as young as I was, you're going to learn to play something. And they started me, my parents started me on the piano. I didn't love that. I switched to the trumpet again, just like you, because that's what my father was playing. And I played yeah. the trumpet throughout junior high and high school. Did you play the sax throughout your junior high and high school as well? Absolutely. From uh, I mean, my first instrument was piano. I started at five Uh, when we got off the road. And then I started saxophone when I was eight in fourth grade. And yeah, I was a complete band geek. Any band class, chorus class, anything I would take. And I was just immersed. I totally loved it and, and just, you know, went for it. I even became the the drum major of the band. I mean, that's, you know, that's 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 taking it too far right there. huh? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So that's something else. Now you went from there and you went to Berkeley, right? I did. I've got my sweatshirt on talking to you. Love it. <laughs> love it. Love it. I had a lot of friends that went to Berkeley and New England Conservatory, which was kind of the other school in Boston at the time. Tell me about your experience in Berkeley. You know what? Berkeley was the perfect place for me. I didn't grow up with a lot of jazz, which is the usual for saxophonists, I found out, you know, when I got into school, everyone had come up listening to Miles Davis and, you know, Charlie Parker. I didn't know who any of those people were. You know, I knew I wanted to sing and play like Tina Turner or run around a stage like Bruce Springsteen, you know, but I didn't know who these jazz, you know, icons were. And once I got into college, I, I realized and just started, you know, trying to find every Cannonball Adderley record and every Wayne Shorter record and, and Miles Davis record. And it was a really great place to find yourself because they let you be anything. My saxophone teacher's name was Joe Viola, and he was kind of a Yoda of saxophone. He was, uh, he was just this older gentleman who knew everything and, and was just totally into the art of the saxophone. And every day I came in his office, he would say to me, have you started your own band? You need to start your own band. And he thought that it was so important for me to start my own band because I didn't come from where most students were coming from, that I had this other kind of, you know, sense that, you know, it was rock and roll and pop and soul and opera, you know, all these different things that I came from. And he goes, start your band, find yourself, find how to put yourself into your music and make all those things that were real to you, you know, real to your audience and and to the songs that you write and perform. What a great thing to say to someone who's 18 years old, Um, And he was right. You have to find 
your own way and you have to find what makes you special and hopefully amplify that. And that's, I started my own band at Berkeley. So what was the name of the band and what kind of music did you play? Well, the name of the band was egocentric. It was Mindy A. Bear. <laughs> <laughs> Very creative. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I was writing music that was, you know, funky, but jazzy, a little fusion-ish, a little pop. So, you know, it was very melodic. It was very reminiscent of, of what I went on to do. You know, my, my first uh, many records were, you know, instrumental and, and kind of pop, soul, rock-based, you know, instrumentals. Not incredibly jazzy. I'll throw in a few jazz chords here and there just to, you know be able to use the moniker. (laughs) One of the nice things about your music is that I don't see you pigeonholed in any one genre. I mean, it sounds like you started off as as a rock player, which is great. Okay. You've played some jazz. You've done smooth jazz. You've done blues. How do you see yourself? I just always wanted to play. When I was a kid, I, I just wanted to play and sing. And and there was no thought of, oh, well, I identify with, you know, just being a rock and roll musician, or I identify with being a jazz musician. I really didn't know the, the difference. I just loved to play. And the stuff that I wrote, you know, inevitably became kind of a melting pot of my influences. So it was, it was cool that, you know, writing music that had pop and rock influence that I could get it on contemporary jazz and smooth jazz radio because they were playing instrumentalists, uh, instrumentalists that were doing the same thing, like David Sanborn or, you know, uh, Grover Washington and people like that, that, that kind of paved the way for people like me that you could do something a little different, a little, you know, left of center. So, yeah, I completely identify with the jazz world, contemporary jazz world, because there are so many of my friends and I've recorded and toured with so many of them. I feel that that's family, Uh, but I also feel this immense draw to rock and roll. I mean, I've toured with Aerosmith and Duran Duran and, and the Backstreet Boys and uh, you know, Max Weinberg. So, you know, and then blues, I've, you know, made a bunch of records in blues and that's a, Ah, that's an art form that's really close to my heart. That's American music. If you want to emote, play the blues. Play the so blues, yeah, you bet. I guess I'm just a mutt. <laughs> <laughs> a very successful mutt, though. You got to make music that moves you. Otherwise, you're, you know, you're not being true to yourself. I think, you know, you want to have a long career, do things that inspire you, whatever that may be. I think people will know whether you're inspired or not, you know? You're a tremendous performer as well. Did you always know that you wanted to be out front and be performing or did that kind of come after having been kind of in the background with others before? Oh, thank you for saying that. Um, what a nice compliment. You know, I always watched people and, and, you know, really, got into people that were performers. I was never drawn to the person standing in the back of the room. And I've been on stage with people who stood and played or sat and played. And I've been on stage with people who are dripping wet after the first song. You know, that's, that's one reason I, I wrote the book, how to play Madison square garden. It's a guide to stage performance. Cause 
you know, I just, I figured I have been on stage most of my adult life playing with other people's bands and then playing with my band. I've seen every mistake made. I've seen it all done right. You know, I've seen people win and, and lose with it, but you see what, you know, the, the pitfalls that, that people fall into for me, I just always wanted to give everything. And I was emulating people like Tina Turner or Steven Tyler or uh, Mick Jagger. You know, I just thought you should go out there and give everything you've got, or you're not in it. You don't care. You know, obviously if you're just standing there, you don't care. You know, I always got like a pound of flesh from Mick Jagger every time he stood on stage. So I know that's a very rock and roll attitude. Just go out there and get crazy. You know, there were a lot of jazz guys in college at Berkeley who would, you know, completely tell me I was full of it because I thought you should perform and I was running around on stage. They were like, no, that is not the tradition. You should stand. Not you should cool. be cool. Yeah. That's what makes the world go around, right? <laughs> you showed them. Now, you mentioned Steven Tyler. You had a Steven Tyler moment in your background. Tell us about that. Sure. Well, I got called to do American Idol, which was super fun. I mean, Don was called me and just said, hey, I need a rock and roll sax solo for this artist that's on American Idol. And I would love you to play the track. And they probably will want you to do the TV show. And he was real nonchalant. He goes, I mean, I think 26 million people watch this show every week. It'd probably be cool for you to do. <laughs> And uh, yeah, you think, <laughs> you think, Don? So I did it. And after our performance, Steven Tyler just said, forget you, who's your sax player in total <laughs> Steven Tyler, you know, uh, mode. So it was really fun to get to know Steven Tyler. Uh, it was fun to be on that show and just be a part of so many incredible artists, you know, paths and, and kind of delve into their world instead of just mine, you get this gift to be a solo artist and just, you know, go into your own music, but to really walk into other people's careers and, and help them build their careers. It was really fun. And then the absolute end day, the fi finale of American Idol, I get this call from Steven Tyler. Hey, we got to do this. But time's running out, you know, got it. I had no idea what he was talking about, but I figured out that he wanted me to go on tour with Aerosmith and I did. And it was my summer vacation with Aerosmith and I was their first sax player since 1973. And then I'd sing with them as well. And it was just, it was fairy tale. It was total rock and roll awesomeness for a summer <laughs> must have been a crazy crazy experience i can just imagine i have a, sl a a very small steven tyler story myself i went to school in boston in college oh and they used to have bands play in front of the student union in the afternoon each day and one day there was a band playing there and i remember distinctly they were great and somebody yelled out you stink and the guy who was the lead singer said, yeah, I'm going to be famous one day. Guess what? It was Aerosmith. You know what? And they were famous real quick. <laughs> yeah, they were very famous. <laughs> no, those guys are amazing. And, and uh, they couldn't have been cooler to me. I mean, Joe Perry came in, you know, the next year and played on my Wild Heart album, which was great. I got to call Joe Perry and say, hey, 
you know, you've won every award as being the rock star of the century, but you've never been nominated for a Grammy for a contemporary instrumental album. And he thought that was pretty cool. So <laughs> he, he was amazing. That's terrific. Now, you've been out on the road for quite a long time, right? Yeah. Is that something you still love to do? Well, I mean, up until this year, I was a total just, you know, uh, road dog. You know, we just stay on the road. My band is a live band, you know, and we go in and, and do our thing in the studio and make records. And that's fun, too. But our, our real joy is being on the stage. And I love that feeling of just connecting with an audience and, and feeling their energy and thriving off it and giving it right back to them. I, I just love every second of that. This year has been, you know, really tough to not be able to do that, to not be able to be in front of people and, and, you know, feel their, their love and their energy. And, uh, you know, we've done, we've done live shows from my porch all year. We've done about 40 of them now. And, you know, I'll have one person over to the porch and socially distance them. Uh, but it's crazy. You know, you you finish a song and there's just crickets. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not the same. And I just I miss everyone so much. I miss the guys in my band. We're going to do a virtual full band concert because, you know, some of us are vaccinated. Some of us aren't. But we're all, you know, a, a little safer now in this universe and we know how to be safe. So we're going to do the virtual concert and have some fun. That's terrific. Tell everybody about the bone shakers and how you got together with them. You know what? I think you should always make music with your friends and, and people you respect and love. It, it works out better. And Randy Jacobs, who started the bone shakers, we've been friends for, oh my gosh, probably 25 or more years now. And uh, we met in a little club in Los Angeles playing and we've just, we just connected his band, the bone shakers. It started out of Bonnie Raitt's band. So it was he and sweet Pete Atkinson. And they just, they started doing their thing. I was always a fan. It was blues rock, total high energy. I mean, Randy's this, this complete, you know, maniac on stage. He's just this force of nature does backflips. Yeah, I was just going to mention the backflips. <laughs> that, yeah. That surprised me. Uh, yeah. Uh, my first backflip, I was just stunned. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, he's just this incredible force of nature. And there was one point where most of my band were bone shakers and he was playing in my band. So it was basically the same band. I went and sat in with them and it was just, it was magic. And we all just looked at each other and went, you know, maybe we, maybe we change paths, be Mindy Abair and the Bone Shakers and just do music that moves all of us. And I had never done the band experience besides, you know, playing as a sideman with another band like Aerosmith or, or Duran. But, you know, I, I just thought, let's do this. Let's make music together. And so we made four records together as Mindy Abair and the Bone Shakers and it was just, it was so freeing. It was so fun to just rock out. We did just all the blues rock festivals and just turned it up to 11 and went crazy. It was a blast. <laughs> so you've got this new album coming out, which is, I guess, your greatest hits, right? Yeah. Tell us about that. You know, the, the pandemic made us all kind of 
go inward and, and, you know, we had time to go through our sock drawer and, you know, maybe uh, do whatever on your house that you need to do. I went through my old music and I started going through kind of my archives of everything and old pictures. And I just thought, you know what, I've never put together a best of compilation and, and some of my favorite artists, you know, all of them, they've got greatest hits records. And it's time because we had a lot of hits in contemporary and smooth jazz, but then we had a lot of hits in the blues world too. So there's kind of a cool arc of material. And when the pandemic started, we had recorded a record. I mean, literally, as the world was shutting down, I was in the studio with Abel Boreal Jr. on drums and Sean Hurley on bass and my keyboard player, Rodney Lee, and Tim Pierce on guitar. We recorded an entire record. And here I was sitting around with all this music going, okay, well, we can't play it live. There's, we can't do that. What do we do? So I put together this greatest hits and just included everything. Found some stuff that we've never released. There's a song that Booker T. Jones and I wrote and recorded that has never seen the light of day. Uh, there's a song that I released on YouTube a few years ago that's got over three million hits. And it's a John Lennon cover of Imagine. And I've never put that on a CD. Um, and then we put together you know, the radio edits. We went back and found the radio edits to these songs that were number one hits. And, you know, people fall in love with them on the radio, but when they buy your records, it's not the radio edit, it's the full song. So it was fun to kind of put these different things on a best of record and, uh, and songs that were special to me and, uh, you know, and put it out. And so it's very, it's very cool to look back and, and just, have it all on one CD. You get a chance to see everything that you've done and all the twists and turns in your career. And I'm sure it is very, very satisfying. It's cool, yeah. Yeah, we got nuts. I wrote liner notes and kind of told the story of it all. There's a 16 page booklet in there and you know, it's a best of CD. This it's is gonna be real. one of those big box sets at Christmas time, huh? <laughs> exactly. You can imagine. That all sounds great. What, aside, you know, when this pandemic ends, what's in the future for you? What do you see? Well, it's interesting. You know, the, the world is coming back to a bit of a safer place. We're definitely not there yet. But I see, you know, people sneaking into the, the live circles. I mean, my record comes out April 2nd, and uh, it's on pre-order now, so you can get it. But we're going to get out there and and play some stuff live in safe environments. So I'm actually going out in April to play my hometown, Clearwater, Florida, Boca Raton, the Funky Biscuit. We're playing up in the Panhandle for Seabreeze Jazz Festival. And they're all gonna, you know, take a lot of measures to be safe and social distance. We're going down to Punta Gorda, Florida, um, where I usually have my Mindy Bears Wine and Music Festival every November. So, uh, you know, we gave the tickets to the people who had tickets for my festival last year, but couldn't come. So we gave the first round of tickets to those and we've got a few more for sale. And, you know, the, the tour dates are kind of starting. So slowly but surely we'll get back on the road. Uh, my best of CD obviously is, is out now. And I'm going to put out the record that we recorded last year at this time, the very start of the uh, 
pandemic. And I'll put that out later this year because uh, it's a it's a very cool record. I can't wait for people to hear it. I can't wait to hear it either. I'm talking with Mindy Abair, my guest today. Mindy, you know that this podcast is all about inspiring and motivating dreamers, people out there that either have a dream and have not pursued it, or they're trying to pursue it. What would be the advice that you would give to somebody that's a dreamer? You know, I think dreamers make the world a better place for sure. (laughs) I'll tell you a really short story about when I was a senior in high school and uh, I, I learned something pretty cool that definitely affected the rest of my life. I was going to uh, do an audition for the Florida Allstate Jazz Band. And I just thought, you know, hey, the cool kids were in the jazz band. I didn't want to be in the symphonic band. I thought they were a little stuffier. So I was practicing these songs that they gave me and you had to improvise and stuff like that. And I remember thinking at one point, you know what? There's like 50 guys in the state of Florida that are going to chew me up and spit me out. They got to be better sax players than me. Like I have no chance at this. I don't even know why I'm trying. So I kind of, I stopped practicing and I I just figured, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to pass on this one. This is kind of pie in the sky. And my father came in and he was, you know, questioning me, Hey, why no saxophone? And you've been playing a lot lately. And I, I told him, you know, that I didn't think I had a chance at this. And he was like, I think you should go for it. I think you should just try. So I went in and I tried and I came back and I got the first chair alto saxophonist for the yeah. Florida Allstate Jazz Band. Wow. And uh, no one was more shocked than me. And my dad said, hey, sometimes it's not the most talented people that get what they want. Sometimes it's the people who go for it. And what great advice that was because you know what there are players that can play circles around me but they don't put themselves out there or they won't take you know the steps to kind of go out and do what they love so I think sometimes just as important as practice and becoming excellent at what you do and spending the time on you it's just as important to put yourself out there and give yourself a chance to get what you love and do what you love So I'm glad I learned that one early. I always go for it. I don't always get it, but I always go for it. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great story. Mindy, where can people reach you if they want to follow you? Follow me on Facebook. We do shows live from my porch every Tuesday. And uh, we pop up and do live shows as well, you know, here and there. And uh, follow me on Instagram. Uh, It's both at Mindy Abair, M-I-N-D-I. A-B-A-I-R. And uh, follow me on YouTube. Go to my website. You can find, you know, you can get signed copies of my CD there. And, uh, you know, join my email list on my website because that's, you know, that's the way to stay in touch. I know social media platforms come and go, but uh, we send something out probably once a month and just keep you up on all all the latest with my wine company and with, uh, you know, my records and all of it. You're a force of nature. <laughs> I want to. I want to thank. Keep up with you, Robert. <laughs> not even close. I want to thank my guest Mindy Abair for being on the show. You've been listening to the Follow Your Dream podcast. I am your host again, Robert Miller. 
Remember to get your complimentary dream roadmap where I lay out my five steps to pursue and succeed at your dream just by going to followyourdreampodcast.com slash dream roadmap. Again, that's followyourdreampodcast.com slash dream roadmap. Feel free as well to email me at robert at followyourdreampodcast.com. Again, that's robert at followyourdreampodcast.com. And all of my music is available at projectgrandslam.com and thepgsstore.com. If you liked what you heard today, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. And now I'm going to play for you the entire song that we played a little bit of at the beginning of this episode. It's called Metro Shuffle. I wrote it a couple of years ago. And uh, after meeting Mindy, I said to myself, there is no better saxophone player in the world that I'd love to have on this song than Mindy Aber. And she made it into a big hit for us. And I will always be grateful for that. So thank you again for listening and see you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Follow Your Dream podcast. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast so you don't miss another inspiring episode. You can connect with Robert at robert at followyourdreampodcast.com. And you can hear more from his band at projectgrandslam.com and at thepgsstore.com.